Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. Today on the podcast, I spoke with David Maslov from Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario in Canada, and Daniel Leesman from the ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York, about a paper that they have just published in Critical Care Medicine on Guidance for Prediction Models. This was a collaboration between journal editors from the fields of respiratory medicine and critical care to start a discussion on the challenges and issues encountered with such models. Can I get you guys to both introduce yourselves? Sure. I, my name is David Maslov. I'm an associate professor of critical care medicine and medicine at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, and an internist and intensivist at the Kingston Health Sciences Center in Kingston. And I'm also the associate editor for data sciences at critical care medicine. Hi, uh, I'm Dan Leesman. I'm a uh, student at Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York and uh, on the editorial board at critical care medicine. How did this project come about and what were the logistical challenges to bringing it together? This came about largely because we're witnessing more and more availability of large repositories of data, certainly in critical care and respiratory medicine, sleep medicine, databases essentially that make it uh, much easier to do observational research. And, and this may take a variety of forms, uh, but certainly one of them is, is, is prediction modeling research. And in fact, the project sort of is an outgrowth of an earlier collaboration between a similar group of authors that looked at providing guidance for people who are doing observational research that's meant to make causal inferences about the diseases that we treat in our ICUs and our respiratory care units. Based on the success of that paper, which has been very useful as a reference point for people doing uh, observational research, or research with observational data at least, we decided that the next best subject matter to tackle would be prediction modeling. We get a lot of these uh, submissions to our various journals, and there's a lot of variability in how the work is being done and, and being presented. And we felt it sort of would serve the community well to at least provide some basic fundamentals that people could latch on to to help ele elevate the general quality of the work and provide some common ground for uh, the various journals where this work is being presented. So as with the, the previous effort, which was led by David Lederer when he was the um, editor at the Annals of the ATS. The intention here is not to be overly prescriptive and to kind of pin down various journals to a certain core set of requirements, but rather to be a resource for researchers doing prediction modeling, but also for the readers of prediction modeling literature so that they can better critically appraise the papers that we see in print. And it also comes up in the heels of uh, increasing enthusiasm for data science in medicine in general. With all of the availability of this data and increasing familiarity with data science tools, we felt that it was important for readers to, to better understand how these things get made and how they should be interpreted, especially when it comes to applications at the bedside and in caring for patients. What are the main concerns and issues that occur in predictive modeling papers? You know, I, I don't think any one paper can fully encompass the entire discipline, right? It, it's you know, there are there are textbooks that are written about this. But I think some of the, the key things that we were trying to have people really walk away from or the issues that come up that are most important are first that um, the purpose of prediction is fundamentally distinct from causal inference. And as a result, there are a number of different considerations that people have to make when they're designing or critically evaluating a study for the purpose of prediction. So, for example, you know, many of the biases that we would worry about in a causal inference study you know, certain types of confounding and things like that are actually, they're not just okay, but they can even be useful because the same relationship that can confound a causal inference um, can actually, you know, be quite useful if the purpose is just to identify where someone is going to end up. You know, I, I think some of the other things that come up that we commonly have seen either misapplied or misinterpreted, so timing is another one, you know, and timing is always important in modeling studies, but specifically around 
when information becomes available becomes especially important when the goal is clinical prediction, right? You know, a model that makes a very accurate prediction but does so with information that's not available until after the, the ultimate event has revealed itself is not useful. That's one issue that's come up quite frequently. Another is, frankly, just is to think about what the intended use of the model is, right? Prediction can be applied to a number of different problems, whether that's decision aid at the bedside or an EMR early alert for benchmarking or, or enriching enrollment in randomized trials. And so thinking about what the intended use of the model is is going to guide a lot of the technical aspects that follow on from that, such as how to choose predictor variables in a way that balances plausibility with a need for data-driven discovery, thinking about fairness and what variables really mean and how that can kind of have externality effects when building models that are meant for practice and what that means in terms of predicting, as well as things like operationalizing your data, specifying your outcome, what that actually translates to, and then just the process of evaluating the performance of that model and what that itself means as well. What are the main messages from the paper, and how do you think this paper can be used to improve research in this area? Well, we're hoping that people will get a, a better sort of mental image of what these prediction models can and cannot do, and draw a distinction between prediction modeling and causal inference, which is another main application of observational data that we see frequently used here. And then we want to highlight the importance of some of the, the fundamental principles that Dan mentioned as well, basically of starting with a relevant clinical question uh, to guide the development of a model so that we're not building models because we have the data to do so, but that they're really addressing a clinical need and that they will be useful in, in the care of patients in the clinic and hospitals. And also one of the main purposes, and there's extensive passages on this in the paper, is to really highlight the, the stages of development of a prediction model, which is to say that they don't come out fully baked after the first paper and the first validation. Often these models are developed in a single data set and therefore need to be validated or further examined in a completely separate cohort to see if they generalize from one to the next. What are the plans for the future? Will you revisit and revise as the evidence develops further? Yeah, I think this is a, I mean, this is a very fast-moving space. There was some initial hesitation to even put things down on paper uh, for exactly that reason. So we see this as a necessary start rather than the end of where we want to be. And almost certainly this will require updating and refreshing as the science emerges, as new science emerges, I should say, and advances. At the same time, it makes it all the more important to get the underlying concepts out there for clinician audiences and not just have this in the realm of those who are initiated into you know, more advanced data science and statistical methods. I think that's really kind of been... The, the challenge for us going forward or in writing this is, has been to put this in a format that's been accessible to people coming at this from multiple levels of, of training and experience. I think that will definitely have to be at the center of efforts that come out of this going forward as well. Is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners know? It is maybe worth just circling back to the, I think the first question you asked um, touched on logistical challenges as well. There weren't a ton of them, but it's at least maybe interesting to mention that we face the expected logistical challenges that you would imagine when you're putting together a paper with almost 40 authors, especially a paper that involves, you know, bringing together various viewpoints and trying to incorporate people's ideas and, and, and past experiences. There was obviously a lot of drafts being emailed back and forth. We overcame some of the challenges by having a, a core writing group that did the majority of the, the wordsmithing and of putting ideas down to paper and giving the other contributing authors basically a, a target to refine. It was a, a lengthy process and challenging, but certainly a labor of love and one that we were glad we were um, able to participate in. Another thing that I think might be worth mentioning is that our guidance here builds on more 
formalized and maybe more detailed guidance that's set forth by the tripod guidelines that are, this is a set of principles for prediction modeling that are set about by experts in the statistical modeling community that kind of pertain universally and are, and are field agnostic so that anyone in any field of medicine could use those. And we certainly encourage readers of this paper to refer to that document as well for further details. We thought it would be useful to crystallize some of that information and bring it into a respiratory and critical care and sleep focus so that we intentionally tried to work in examples that were drawn from those fields in order to make it more germane to our readers. And I don't know if, Dan, you want to just talk a little bit about what we mean by prediction models in, in the first place, just so that somewhere up front there's some grounding for the whole thing. So a good place to start is, is to say what we mean by prediction modeling and how that is distinct from causal inference modeling, which was discussed in the prior paper. And we spend a little bit of time in the, be the beginning of the paper trying to really get into this distinction and, and help readers understand that it is something fundamentally different than causal inference. When we say causal inference, in both cases, we're looking at the association between an exposure and some outcome that develops. In causal inference, the question is ultimately, if I were to change that exposure in some way, how would the outcome change as a result? And causality itself is something that scientists and, and philosophers still argue about what exactly it is. But as for an operational definition, it's about whether an outcome will directly change as a result of modulating the input. In contrast, prediction makes no assertions about that. The point of prediction is to say, can I make an estimate about what the outcome is going to be with the information that I currently know, even though I don't know the outcome yet? And so the considerations for that are quite different, which makes sense, right? I mean, we, we discuss this all the time in a clinical setting, right? A, a rising creatinine may be something that predicts renal failure, but it itself does not inherently cause renal failure. Depending on the question we're asking, it is important to frame the approach to the problem and to interpreting evidence in the same way. You know, and that's not just from a conceptual, kind of these intuitive at-the-bedside scenarios, but it's equally inherent to the quantitative strategy that we take when we start to tackle these problems. Maybe the last thing I'll mention is that, you know, we, we hope that this guidance will really be of interest to our readership across the range of journals that are represented. And we really want to encourage people to continue to produce prediction models and to think about novel ways of doing so. This is an active area of research, and we see new innovations on, on a daily basis and really encourage the people working in this space to be mindful of what the ultimate aim is and uh, have a vision in mind of how these are going to apply at the bedside and really impact the care of patients in a clinical setting certainly an exciting field to watch. And we look more and more forward to seeing how the prediction models that are described in our various journals actually wind up performing in the wild, so to speak. Well, thank you both for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you.